So welcome to church. Let me have a welcome to Nivens. It's a joy to have you with us today. We're in God's presence and we're going to take some time to turn to the Bible and we're going to ask God to speak to us. If you're first time here today, so welcome. You're our guests and I believe you're not just here to meet with us. God's here to meet with you. Let's pray. Father, I want to say thank you so much that we're in your presence and you have chosen to turn up here in our presence. And God Almighty, where you are present, all things are possible. I want to thank you that you're the God who changes lives. You're the God who intervenes. You're the God who just doesn't leave things as they were. You're the God who turns things around. You're the God with whom um, the, the most desperate situations can be turned inside out positively. There is no no-go areas. There is no lost causes. There is no people beyond the help of God. God, you're able to change any person. There is no one too hard for you, God. And God, I want to say thank you. In your presence, miracles are going to happen. Lives are going to be changed. And uh, you're going to speak. And we're really looking forward to that. So God, I pray, move among us. God, from the newest person here to the most regular attender, I pray your presence will be felt and known in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Just, just, while, just remain in an attitude of prayer for a moment. During the worship, I felt God give me several words for people here. And as I share these, uh, some of you are going to be sitting here thinking, that, that is completely me. And, and the reason God's given me these is because he wants you to know he knows you. <laughs> and uh, he's got you covered. And these are going to result in miracles. And I, the first thing I heard just during the worship was I heard, you, you, you've heard the phrase, uh, last chance saloon. I heard the phrase, last resort saloon. I heard that phrase. And I feel that what, someone is here today and you've seen this as, this is, this is my last chance. And you've rocked up today seeing this as your last chance. And God says he knows that and you're going to meet him today. And he wants to be your God. And with him, there's, he's the God of unteen chances and a whole new beginning. I also um, I saw a picture of someone in their, it's their calf. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the back of the leg and the calf, the right calf. Someone's got damage in their right calf and God wants to heal you. Even as we're, we're going to take a time of worship, second half of the service, believe the healing virtue of God. Even now, the healing virtue of God is going to start touching that. And you can be prayed for also at the ends. And then I also felt, there's probably, I think there's two people here, and we talk about being assaulted, you know, a physical assault, but I, I felt God was giving me this word for people who have not, not necessarily experienced physical assault, but it's, it's, it's like a physical assault, except it's a spiritual assault, and I think it happens at nighttime, and, and literally you feel assaulted, but it's demonic, and God wants to know, he knows that's happening, and you're here in his presence today to be liberated and in Jesus' name, I take authority over those forces of darkness that oppose you. In Jesus' name, I forbid their access to your life now. In Jesus' name, and I set you free from their holds in the name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, we give thanks to you, God. Thank you that you're among us and you know the secrets of people's lives and hearts. And I pray as we turn to the Bible just now, you would speak to us. You would touch our lives. You'd impact us afresh in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Those people who I mentioned, we would love to pray with you at the end. I'll be heading off to our north location. There'll be a team available for praying. Please come forward. Okay, right. Before we turn to the Bible, quick story. There was a, a Catholic priest, a pastor, and a rabbi, and they were discussing who was the most effective at what they did. So they decided to give themselves a task. They decided, right, we're going to go into the woods tomorrow, and we're all going to find a bear. We're going to try and convert the bear. And the person who does the best at it, well, they're the most effective. So they all disappear off. They reconvene the next day, and they see how everyone got on. So the Catholic priest said, oh, I had a fantastic time. I, read, I found a bear in the middle of the woods, and I read the bear at the catechisms. And then I, I poured some holy water on the bear, and he's agreed to have his first communion next week. So they thought, oh, that's pretty impressive. And then the Pentecostal church pastor was there, and he said, oh, yeah, I found a bear in the middle of the woods beside a stream. And I, I started telling the bear about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection. And, and then I laid hands on the bear and prayed for him in tongues. And then I baptized the bear in the stream. And everyone's saying, that's amazing. And then they turned to the rabbi who's there in crutches, bandaged head to toe. And they kind of see it didn't go that well for him. He said, what, what happened to you? And he said, well, on reflection, I probably shouldn't have started with circumcision. I shouldn't have started, shouldn't have started there. <laughs> God wants you to be effective. God wants you to be effective, spiritually speaking. He wants his power to be flowing through your life. He doesn't want you just to know about the power of God. He wants you to be a conduit for the power of God. And so I'm going to take you to an amazing part of the scripture which describes the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm just going to work through it verse by verse, and then I'm going to camp specifically in the gifts of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Okay, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Now the word unaware could also be translated in the New International Version as uh, uninformed. And did you know there's many people, we'll just stop here in this verse for a moment, there's many people who are completely uninformed or unaware of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They don't know that they can prophesy. I mean, they believe in Jesus, but they didn't know that they could lay hands on the sick and see them recover. They, they believe in Jesus, but they didn't know that they could speak in tongues. They're completely uninformed. And sometimes that's because of lack of good teaching. Other times that's because of downright overtly bad teaching. <laughs> there are some churches that would teach those things are no longer available today. To be honest, they're in the diminishing number of churches, but they're still around. When I was growing up as a kid, as you do as a kid, uh, well, I remember I got saved when I was 15, and I, I got to know some Christian people in my village, and I started reading about the power of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And I, was, I started expecting things like this to happen today. And I remember some Christians, they started telling me, oh, those things aren't around today. That was for a previous era. That was for, you know, the early church. That's not around today. Has anyone heard that kind of stuff? Give me a wave. Anyone heard that? All right. It's absolute nonsense. Okay? It's called, if you want a technical name for that nonsense, it's called cessationism. But you and I can just call it nonsense, all right? Either way, cessationism. Here is the failings of cessationism. Let me just quickly give you some truths to counteract what they say. So they argue, and, and there, there are several things they say. They say, first of all, they argue that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have passed away based on a very poor interpretation of Scripture. The Scripture they base it all on is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it says in verse 8, love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are gifts of tongues, they will cease. 
And then it goes on to say, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, then the partial will be done away with. And then it goes on to say, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. And what they argue, these uh, cessationists, is they argue that the perfect is, well, when we got the Bible, when the Bible was brought together in completion. That was always, always there. It's just it hadn't been compiled in the 66 books, Old and New Testaments that you and I have today. So they say when that came together, well, that was the perfect. And that was when we didn't need prophecies anymore because we had the word of the Lord. We don't need words of the Lord from you folks. We need the word of the Lord. Okay. But it's a very poor interpretation because you think about it. The Bible spends chapters and chapters and chapters giving us examples of miracles and teaching us how to operate in miracles. And then in one kind of slightly obscure text, they say, oh, by the way, it's going to pass away. I don't think so. One obscure text that could be interpreted different ways, they claim that's the text that says it's passed away, and yet there's chapters and chapters and chapters teaching us how we should operate in these things. Are you kidding me? If they needed power back 2,000 years ago with a population at the time of 140 million people on planet Earth, we need power today with a population of 7 billion people on planet Earth who are lost and longing for God. The church needs power like never before. So what does the perfect mean? Well, what does the verse say? It doesn't just say when the perfect comes. It talks, talks about now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Do you know when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are going to be done away with? Answer, when you see Jesus face to face, Jesus Christ will return. At that point, you won't need prophecies and tongues and miracles because there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, a whole new era. But until then, Boy, do we need them. So they've used this terrible interpretation to hold the church back from the power that God made available to them. That does my nut in. It says in second, Acts chapter 2, verse 17 to 20. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. That's every one of you. I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I believe that's available to you. Before the great and coming, the great the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. When it says in the last days, that talks about an era. And the last days means the time between the first and second coming of Jesus. That's the era that we're living in right now. And it says in that era, prophecies and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to be the norm. And when will that era end? When is the perfect answer? Before the great and glorious coming day of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus returns, that's when that era ends, folks. So do not be deceived. These gifts are available today. Also, cessationism is proved by negative examples. People who argue against the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they'll say, oh, those charismatic churches, they're a little bit nuts. And they'll point out some crazy people who have been charismatic, who have handled money badly, or who have run off with someone else's wife or done something crazy. Okay, I get it. There are bad examples among the charismatic movement. Half of you are here today. Okay, I get it, right? I understand. Yes. However, there are bad examples in every movement. In fact, the Bible is full of bad examples. Check Moses out, right? Killed some people. <laughs> bad example, just in case you're in doubt. Okay, Peter the Apostle, he blew it totally. Bad example. You don't chuck the Bible and say, well, it's full of bad examples. No, no. God actually amazingly works among bad examples like us and does great things. So so the whole cessationist thing, oh, look at the bad examples in the charismatic movement. That proves nothing, because look at the bad examples in your own movement. Nutter. <laughs> sorry, I, I keep being inflammatory. I'm really sorry. Cessationism is also rooted in fear. It, their fear is that this will, wow, if people claim to prophesy, 
Will people not hold that on a par with the Word of God, Scripture, the Bible? And their fear is that somehow or another it'll be held on a par. Well, that's nonsense. Because Scripture itself encourages people to prophesy. And it tells people that we should test all prophecies against Scripture. Okay, so the, and in Bible times, when, when the Bible was being written, you know what? People were prophesying then, but they didn't write down every single prophecy everyone wrote and publish it as the Bible. No, no. God's word, Scripture, has always been unique and supersedes any revelatory gift that anyone operates in and should be, every gift should be tested against it. And finally, cessationism promotes fear. I mean, I remember this. I remember when I was 15, I got baptized with the Holy Spirit and I spoke in tongues. And I remember I was so blown away that I had this experience. I wasn't in a charismatic church. I had this experience. And I just remember in one occasion in being in discussion with some Christians who were cessationists, and I mentioned to them that I spoke in tongues, and they said to me, oh, you got that from the devil. It freaked me out. I mean, wouldn't it? Like, Oh, the demon, that's demons do that. So wait a minute, let me get this right. So God's enemies, demons, they do all the powerful things on earth. But God's people, the, the kind of winning team, the, the cool people, they have no power. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. <laughs> Come on. How warped is that? You know what Jesus said? This is your safeguard. Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if you ask for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you ask God for the Holy Spirit, you will not get a counterfeit. If you ask the Lord for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be operating in your life, God isn't going to give you, or I'm going to give you a wicked thing. How warped would that be? So cessationism is rooted in fear. It's, it's based on a total misinterpretation. And so I want you to ignore that argument the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit are around today. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 5 said this, having a form of godliness, but they deny its power, have nothing to do with such people. Do you know what our city needs? Do you know what Leith needs? Powerful Christianity. Not just nice theories about God, but powerful Christianity. People want to meet with God, not just hear about God. So we believe in a great truth that Jesus died on a cross to pay the price for your sins, and he resurrected on the third day. We also believe in a powerful God who backs up that truth with power, evidencing it today, changing lives, healing sick bodies, bringing prophetic revelations to people. God does those things today. Say amen if you agree. Amen. All right, let's go on to the verse. That was verse one, verse two to three. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, or no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. What is evident here is that the people in Corinth, maybe like some of you, in their previous life, before they became Christians, had been dabbling with occultic type activities. And that was commonplace in Corinth. Maybe some of you have dabbled in that in the past. And, they were, and Paul was saying, and you saw certain effects happen. Okay, So stuff does happen in those environments. But the agenda is never the glory of God. You see, demons have an agenda. Demons' agenda is to distract you from God. They will do everything they can to get your mind off God, get you away from the truth, confuse you with things, and to the extreme that they might even say, inspire people to say that Jesus is somehow cursed. On the contrary, the Holy Spirit has come 
to point people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come to point people towards Jesus, to get Jesus the focus and the attention. And do you know what? When the Holy Spirit's working in your life, there will be a great declaration comes out your mouth. And that declaration is, Jesus is Lord. And did you know that's actually what saves you? If you've never allowed Jesus to be Lord of your life, that's what saves you. If you're away from God, if you're not under the authority of the Lord Jesus, then you're not a saved person. You're a lost person. And God loves you and he doesn't want you to be lost. He wants you to come under the authority of God and be saved forever. And so today my prayer is, if you've never let Jesus be Lord of your life, he actually is already Lord. He is the Lord of the universe. It's just you're out of sync with the universe. If you want to get on track with the way things are heading, come under this great king. He's called Jesus Christ. Today, declare Jesus as your Lord. And the Holy Spirit's already stirring that in you, that you're being drawn to him. And it goes on in the verses, and it says in verses 4 to 7, there are varieties of gifts. Say gifts. It's the Greek word charisma. That's where we get the name charismatic church, gifts. But the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one the manif- is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So let me just say kind of a quick side point. Corinth, this is the letter to the Corinthians. Corinth, the place where Paul was writing to, had a reputation. Okay? It had a reputation for immorality linked with paganism. And it had, this wasn't just in the, in the church it had a reputation. In, in the world it had a reputation. Everyone knew of Corinth had this reputation for immorality linked with paganism. It's just like today, you know, people think of Bangkok or uh, Amsterdam or, or Leith, okay? So all over the world, people, okay, okay, there's an association, right? Corinth was the same, Corinth. And, and this is how the book of Corinthians has gone so far, okay? We're in chapter 12 just now. Here's, here's how the chapters have gone so far. Chapters 1 to 4, Paul is dealing with divisions and divisiveness and people falling out with each other in the church. Chapters 5 to 7, he's dealing with sexual immorality in the church. Chapter 6, He's dealing with believers who are suing other believers in the church, taking them to court, suing them. What? Chapter 11, he's dealing with drunkardness at communion. I mean, seriously, you have a serious drink issue. If you are drunk at communion, you can laugh because that's, that's, well, don't. But I find that funny. I mean, it's just, what? So you've got all these issues. And then chapter 12, Paul teaches you how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I mean, can anyone else not see the strange direction that the, the book's going in? It's like, what? You're suing each other. Stop falling out with each other. You're, having, you're sexually immoral. You're getting drunk at communion. Now let me teach you about how to operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're a perfect church lined up ready for these gifts. Are you kidding me on, Paul? Are you kidding me? Paul, let this chapter just you know, stop at chapter 11. Just deal with all the sin let them deal with it for a few months and then come back and let's talk again about maybe God will, maybe you'll be good enough now for God to use you with the gifts. But Paul doesn't do that. He talks to a pretty messed up church, very unlike this church, and he tells them that you can operate in the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know the word gift? It's the Greek, what, what, what's the Greek word for gift? Anyone know? You guys, you, what you like, you just know everything like this. It's amazing. Charisma, you're right. Charisma, you're Greek scholars in Leith. Charisma means, well, if, you, if someone's called charis, charis, it means grace. You know, some, some girls are called charis, grace. 
Charisma means gift of grace. You know what grace means? A simple way of remembering it. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. It means you get things from God that you didn't deserve, but he paid for on the cross. For example, heaven. Total forgiveness. Declared righteous. Freed from the powers of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. That's grace. I didn't earn that. It wasn't good enough for that. None of us were. He gave us it at Christ's expense. Anyone glad for grace? I'm glad for grace. Now, the thing is, okay, let me give you an illustration to illustrate this point. In India, we have a wonderful orphanage, and those kids have been rescued from total despair. They were abandoned in the streets. They were rescued from hopelessness and despair. They've been brought into this beautiful, safe environment. And in that orphanage, they're loved, they're cared for, they're fed, they're given clothing. They've got fun. They play games. They have education. They've got friendships. It's secure. It's happy. It's blessed. So blessed. Boy, and when, we, when I go and visit, we take them to the, local, the beach nearby and we buy them ice creams. It's beautiful. They, just, they have this blessed life, rescued from total despair. And they've got this blessed life. Now, let me just make a point. Who pays for that? Well, the answer is, you do. You know, our church has largely paid for the building of the new orphanage, which they're about to move into, and largely underwrites the ongoing support of those orphans. That's from our giving. Who pays for that? You do. And yet they enjoy what you paid for. And by the way, you didn't just pay for them to be rescued from despair. You paid for them to get those ice creams and have that education and enjoy those three meals a day and be in an environment that's secure. And the point is this, when Jesus died 2,000 years ago on the cross, friends, he not only paid the price for every sin you ever have or ever will commit, he also paid the price for you to enjoy the life that you now have. And every gift you get from heaven is a gift of grace. In other words, grace wasn't just the front door you walked in, it's the house that you now enjoy living in. It's every room in the house, not just the front door. It's every room in the house, every gift that's available. So you don't get anything from God other than from grace. Not just your forgiveness and salvation in heaven, that's the greatest. But he didn't just rescue those kids from despair. They're now in a house and an environment. Everything's blessed. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit don't come to you because you're so good. God's not waiting for you to be perfect before you see the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating. It's not an excuse to not live perfectly. It's not an excuse to not try. It's not an excuse to not repent for your sins and be gutted when you blow it because you love God. But it's, it, you just need to know that everything you get from God is a gift of grace. Say grace. Galatians 3 verse 5. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because of the works of the law? In other words, because you're so good. Does God work miracles among you because you're so good? Or by you believing what you heard? You believe in Jesus. I place all my hope on Jesus. Not just when I'm on my deathbed, I will. But right now, I place all my hope on Jesus. Every gift that flows, every miracle that happens, not me, all Jesus. Every moment I've experienced his forgiveness and his grace, not me, all Jesus. Grace. And then it goes on and says in verses 8 to 10, For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge. And we're going to speak about those two in particular today. 
according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by one Spirit, to another the effecting of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. So these are, here we see a list of nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, and they're in three categories. Here's the three categories to help you remember them, okay? Category number one, thinking like Jesus. And those gifts are uh, discernment, knowledge, and wisdom. Category number two is speaking like Jesus. Those gifts are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation. And category number three is acting like Jesus. And those gifts are faith, healings, and miracles. You see, when Jesus was on earth and you were sick, who did you go to for healing? 2,000 years ago, who did you go to? You went to Jesus. It's Jesus. You went over there and he would heal you. If Jesus was on earth 2,000 years ago and you were needing prophetic direction for your life, who did you go to? Jesus, that's right. Sunday school answer. Jesus is the answer. Okay? Where do you go today? 2019, you're sick. Where'd you go? Well, the answer is still Jesus, but he's in heaven. He died on the cross, rose again, and he's ascended. And today he's seated in the throne of heaven. So how do you access Jesus now? Answer in the body of Christ. So the point is this. You still get your answers from Jesus. It's just that Jesus now manifests his power, his thoughts, and his words through this company of people called the local church. God shows his love. God shows his power and touches people. So actually, amazingly, you get to be the conduit through the miracle of Jesus happening in the community of Leith. In your family, that word of wisdom you brought, that's Jesus Christ speaking. It just happens to speak through you. What a privilege. So this is what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. They're thinking like Jesus, speaking like Jesus, and acting like Jesus. Why? Because Jesus just wants to walk through the streets of Leith. Jesus wants to walk into your family. Jesus wants to walk into your community. You get it? He's just going to do it. We are his arms and his legs and his mouthpiece. But then it, it, the verses, and I'll come back to those, those two gifts in particular in a minute, but let me just end this passage in verse 11. It says, but one and the same gift works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills. Just as he wills, the Holy Spirit distributes gifts. So the question is, do, do you all have all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes and no. Okay, so you have the gift. Who's he? He's the Holy Spirit. The, the gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's come and taken out residence in your life. But he comes with a toolbox. And in that toolbox is every tool you're going to need for everything you face. When you face sickness, he's going to give you the, the tool that will deal with that problem. It's called the gift of miracles or healing. When, you, when you're dealing an a, a insurmountable problem, he will give you that, a gift that will come out. It comes word of wisdom or discernment. So he has all the tools, and he's in you. So that by, by default, you've got all the gifts. However, what I discover is when I look at the Bible and when I look around me, is typically God will cause people to operate in usually one or two or three of these gifts in particular, based on your personality. Maybe if you were more evangelistic, well, typically you, what you're going to see flowing through you is miracles and faith happening more and more. Or maybe you're really you're an empathetic person. You really love counseling people or working with people. Well, the gift of discernment and wisdom will be flowing with you. You understand? All are available, but typically people will flow in one or two more than others. And I do believe 
The gift of the Holy Spirit in a private use is available to everyone to use every day. And you can see that released in your life. Let's just focus on the two gifts now, just in closing. And it's the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. So what is the word of knowledge? Well, we know that God knows everything. He's omniscience. God is all-knowing. He knows everything about everyone, everywhere. God is all-knowing. When you get a word of knowledge, what God is doing is God is taking a bit of what he knows and making that knowledge available to you. A bit of information about a circumstance or a person or a situation. And, all, and, and the purpose of that is to unlock that situation so that God can step in, person's faith rises and God steps in and a turnaround happens. That's called the word of knowledge. A great example is, let's start with Jesus and scripture. Jesus he comes to a place called Samaria and he meets this woman. She was uh, the biggest lady in the Bible, woman of some area. It's right there. Women of Samaria. John chapter 4, verse 16 to 18. And Jesus has this interaction with this woman of Samaria. Uh, and, and it says, Go call your husband, Jesus said. And she replied, I have no husbands. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husbands. And the fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband's. Now, you didn't know Joan Collins was in the Bible. But she, she, the actor Joan Collins, this is her, and she's the woman of Samaria. Now, what happened, if you go on in those verses, is you see the whole town came to faith. The woman was blown away. You knew about my life. You knew every detail of my life. You knew about my private life. And on the back of that, Jesus explained to her about salvation. And she went away, and she told the whole town. And the whole town came out to him, and there was a revival in the town. One word of knowledge unlocked an entire town. Very, very powerful. Our youth from our, our, our four locations uh, every summer head up to Lendrick Muir in Fife and they go to Soul Survivor. Brilliant camp. And, you know, kind of 1,200 young folks there and great uh, activities, great worship, uh, great Bible teaching. Brilliant time for youth. But one of the stories from Soul Survivor this year that I heard Mike Pilavachi share, this was in the one from Scotland. He said that that night, the theme of the preaching was about how God wanted people to move forward. And there was a lady in that huge crowd. There was a lady there, I'm guessing one of the youth leaders, who, who had four years before had lost her husband. And she was sitting in that meeting thinking, how on earth am I going to move forward? Like the preacher saying, how can I move forward? Because I'm just still devastated. I'm, I'm devastated still by what happened four years ago. And she's thinking that, and she's sitting there thinking that all through this hour. And at the end of the preach, as they go into a time of worship, one of the leaders from Mike Pilavachi's team stands up and says, God's given me a word for someone here. And the word is that four years, someone here four years ago, you had a bereavement, and you've been sitting through the service thinking, how can I move forward? Just like the preacher's been talking about, how can I move forward? Because you're so stuck in life because of that bereavement. And tonight, God wants to liberate you so you can move forward in life. Now, the mind-blowing thing is this. Her husband died four years to the day of that meeting. Not just four years ago generally, but four years to the day and to the very hour. The very hour of that meeting was the hour that her husband died. And God brought that word to bring hope and life to a precious lady. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. I love that. Last Sunday night, uh, we were talking about these things in our Sunday night service in Gorgie. 
God gave me two words as I was coming to that service. And one word was for a guy, and I, I didn't know it was a guy at the time, I just knew there was a person. And I, I felt God saying, there's someone here who's just, they're brokenhearted and they're devastated. They, they've just, they're con- because of their brokenheartedness, they can't see things clear, they're quite confused. And God wants to bring you peacefully, to, just to calm you down and to give you perspective and to give you hope and be able to and heal your heart so you can move forward. That was the word. And then there was another word, and actually I saw it as a picture, and I could just see it here. It was kind of like 10 centimeters, a line here on the left-hand side of the groin, and I just knew that someone had a problem there, and I described what I saw in this picture. At the end of the service, a guy came up to me weeping, and he said, I came into the service. I haven't been to church for months and months. I came into the service tonight brokenhearted, and I was saying to God, God, you have to heal my broken heart. I can't face things. You have to heal me. And, and I, I prayed that. I said, I said, God, you have to speak to me about this. That's what he said. And he said, straight after I prayed that, you stood up and said that thing about the broken heart. And he said he didn't hear anything else the whole night because he was just so blown away that God knew him and spoke to him. So that was awesome. And then at the end, as I was going out the door, one of the girls from our south location, um, Ramona, she'd been in the hospital earlier in the day and she'd had something, a problem on her left-hand side of her groin. And she'd been in getting checkups and there was lots of pain. Anyway, she, she came forward and she got prayed for and she walked out of that place completely healed. And Monday morning, sorry, Monday, one of our team was hanging out with her and she's just so overjoyed on Monday because the pain had gone and God had intervened. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Wow. Isn't that awesome? You know, the, one of the funniest words of knowledge I've ever seen happen was actually here in Leith. And uh, you know, it was so funny. I remember... During the worship time, God gave me five words of knowledge for five different situations in the room. And I wrote them down on a piece of paper. That's what I often do. I just have a, you know, I wrote them in a crane. Lucy, all Lucy said is, I need a pen or a paper. Lucy gave me a crane, so I wrote down the words of knowledge. So sorry if they're a bit rough, but that's how, that's how I wrote them. But anyway, this was, I don't know, a few years ago. And I had these five words of knowledge, and I read out, I read out four of them. I couldn't read the fifth one. I couldn't read it. But I read the four. And uh, and the reason I couldn't read it the fifth one is it was hair loss. I thought, I mean, how can I stand up in front of a, the Lord has told me that there's someone here with hair loss issues. <laughs> can you imagine that? All the dudes in the auditorium are saying, wait, that's mind-blowing. How did you know that? <laughs> how can I read that out? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How can I read that out? I said, I, I, but he told me, it, but I couldn't read it out. I thought, I can't read that out. Anyway, I wrote it down anyway, and I read out the other four conditions, and at the end, when there was a ministry time, as there will be at this ser- the end of the service, there'll be a team available at the end to pray for people, right? And people come forward, and the, all the other four situations came forward. That always happens. God always gets it right. There's words, and they're there. That's what happens. Uh, just as the words earlier, you're here. You know you're here, and you're, you're, you're already excited about what God's doing in you. They came forward, and they were prayed for. But then in the middle of that prayer time, a lady came forward with a bandana around her head. And um, I, I assumed it was African dress. Uh, and she said, Pastor, I'm so embarrassed. My hair in the last few months has been falling out in big clumps. And I'm just embarrassed. I've just decided just to shave it all off. Please, could you pray for me? And I thought, I knew that you were here because God showed me. And I showed her the piece of paper. And, and I said, look, hair loss. I, I wasn't going to read out because I thought all the dudes in the auditorium would say, no way, how would you know that? So I didn't read out, but God knew you were here. And we prayed for her and God completely healed. They called Noel, African lady, completely healed. Isn't that awesome? Love that. I, yay. Thank you, God. 
One last story. I remember here again in Leith, and I remember so vividly, again, a few years back, someone here has discovered a lump under the right arm in the last week. And one of the church members uh, at the time, she's now moved away to another part of Scotland, Andrea Brown. Uh, I didn't know this, but she had discovered that lump under her right arm that week. She came in the service with fear because of that. And that word came, and she came forward. One of the team prayed with her. And as they prayed for her, the lump instantly disappeared as they prayed. She never got a chance to get it checked out, didn't find out if it was benign or malignant. Either way, it was dealt with instantly. I love that. I love when God does that. And God wants to do that through ordinary people like you and like me. You just got to be alert because God wants to speak. And then, well, how do you hear these things? Well, let me give you several ways. Sometimes it's just an inner knowing. You just know. Like, you haven't known something in your knower, right? I'm not talking about your knower here. I'm talking about your knower here, right? You know you know when you just know something, right? That's what I'm talking about. And the Holy Spirit, as you're praying, he just makes you know something that you wouldn't have otherwise known. Other times, that's typically how it is for me. Sometimes it comes as a picture or a vision, and, and, and that's quite common for me as well. Uh, not a vision so much, but more of a, it's like I, I can, it's, it's a visual thing. I can, I can, I can visualize it. Uh, and some people, it happens that way for. Some people will feel the symptom. I've heard of it. I've never had that myself, but some people feel burning sensation in the area of the body that they're, they're talk, the person they're talking to, and they just know that there's a, there's a condition there, and then lo and behold, there is. So they, they actually experience a symptom. Some people they get words of knowledge through tongues and interpretation. They're praying in tongues, and the, the interpretation gives them the word for the person. Other times it's an angel. Philip was in the desert in, in the book of Acts, and an angel said to him, now I want you to go to the road going down to Gaza. And that was where this word of knowledge led him to meet and encounter a person. Sometimes it's an audible voice. I've never heard that. But other people have had that audible voice. And so God can do this in many ways. Second gift I want to talk to you about is the word of wisdom. And uh, again, the classic example is in the life of Jesus. And the Pharisees were Jesus' arch enemy, and they were always looking for opportunities to trip Jesus up. And one of those times was in Mark chapter 12, and they came to Jesus to try and trap him. And he said, is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. And he said, why are you trying to trap me? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought him a coin and he asked them and he held the coin up, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And Jesus said to them, well, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. And I am too. I mean, that's mind-blowing. So this, this is a pretty big trap because if he had said, oh yeah, pay your taxes to Caesar, all the Jews would say, no chance. They're the opposing uh, army who are taking over. This is our land. We shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. If, if, if he had said, no, no, don't pay anything to Caesar. It's all God's. Then the Jews would have said, yay, but the Romans would have come in and they would have arrested him, right? See, he was a sticky wicket. Tough call. I mean, you and I, if we would say, right, Give me a couple of weeks, I'm going to come back to you on that one, okay? We would not have come up with anything as good as Jesus did on the spur of the moment. What was that? It was a word of wisdom. And words of wisdom will come your way when you're in that job interview. And you, and you, and you just feel to say that thing. You, that you're reminded of that thing you did. Oh, yeah, I actually did this and I, when I worked for that person. And, that was the, and they'll say afterwards, when you said that, that was the very thing that got you the job. How many people have had that sort of experience? Give me a wave. Yeah, you've had that sort of experience where a word of wisdom's come. It's just in the right moment and it's just unlocked a job situation. Or, or a word of wisdom, God wants to give you wisdom, not just for you, but for other people. 
And God knows, you know that you've been at times when you've been desperately needing wisdom. Well, God wants to bring wisdom to bear through others to you by this gift. I remember the north location, which I'm just going to preach at. I remember one Sunday when we just had Gorgie and Leith at the time. And Liam Smith, actually, from Germany, had been preaching in Leith, and I'd been preaching in Gorgie. And we met for lunch uh, in a cafe on Leith Walk. And as we sat there, now, what Liam didn't know is I was praying about starting our north location. In fact, for the months leading up to that time, I'd been every week going for a day a week, walking and praying around the streets of of, of Granton, Pilton, Muirhouse, and really believing that God wants us to launch something for every week, once a week, for months. I'd been doing that. And it was, it was big style in my heart. I really felt this is where we're meant to plant. Liam didn't know any of that. And Liam sat at, at the cafe and he said, Peter, I believe God's saying, and he pointed in a direction, he pointed in that direction up towards Grandin. And he said, I believe God's saying you're going to start your next location in that direction. So we got my little phone out and orientated the map and said, where's that? And he, and he pointed directly at Grandin. And he said, right there, that's where I feel. This is a guy from Germany. He doesn't have, have a scooby about Edinburgh. And he points a word of wisdom. Just confirming what we already knew. But isn't that awesome? So when I go to preach in our Granton location, I'm not thinking, all right, I hope we've got this right. <laughs> okay, I mean, we were literally going exactly where the Lord said. Isn't that awesome? Wow. <laughs> now, just to be clear, the German guy didn't say in that direction, okay? He said in that direction, just to be clear. The point is important, right? The point is important. So just in closing, how do you release those gifts in your life? Six ways, okay? Number one, I'm going to rattle through these. Number one, you want to see these gifts released in your life. Number one, flow in love. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If you don't have love, these gifts are just a show. You see, if you love people, you will flow really well in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You'll find it really easy because it won't be about you. See, if you see someone who's hungry, okay, what does love what you want to do? You want to feed them, right? You see someone who's, who's, who's lonely, out of love, you want to spend some time with them. That's what love does. But what about if you meet someone who's physically sick and you can't do anything about it? What does love require? Well, love at that point places a demand on heaven's resource, not yours, heaven's resource to produce a miracle from God through you. Love makes the gifts of the Holy Spirit easy. Someone is totally bewildered, not knowing what way to go in life. Love stirs in you this gift of prophecy, which gives them the peace and the encouragement to take the right course. So love enables you to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Number two, earnestly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. You can read this verse with me. Here it's there. One, two, three. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. If you're on the fence with this, then you won't see the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing in your life. But if you're someone who's saying, God, I want to be used by you in this way. And actually God's encouraging you to desire that. It's not a wrong desire. It's a good desire. So when you're with that person, you're going to visit that person who's going through that challenge. Why not say, God, I'm earnestly desiring, not just, not just that they will be blessed that I was there, but I bring something from you to them. Let me bring them something from you. Stir yourself. When I'm reading that, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, you know what that tells me? That tells me the ball's in your court. 
That tells me it's not, God's not the one saying, all right, I might do it sometimes, I might not other times. I think God's put the ball in our court. And here's what I found. Whenever you stir yourself and ask God for these gifts, God always comes up trumps, always. Earnest the desire. Number three, learn to listen. You see, when God speaks, it's not demanding and frantic. That's the devil. When the devil speaks to you, it torments you. It comes like you're bombarded with thoughts. Anyone know what that's talking what that's like, right? These demanding voices in your head. That's the devil. When God speaks, he's in control. He's very peaceful. It's very, he, he's a very secure God. He's not insecure. He typically speaks very clearly. And typically, the Bible describes it as a still, small voice. So if you're not careful, you might miss it. So you've got to settle your heart, focus your heart on the Lord, and listen. Learn to listen. Number four. Be grounded in Scripture. You want to flow in these gifts? Be grounded in the Bible. Why? Because faith will arise as you read Scripture. Also, it will give you your parameters in which you operate. You won't go off on kind of crazy tangents. It keeps you in parameters. It lets you understand the ways of God, the character of God, the nature of God, and therefore that keeps you safe when you're operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Number five, step out in faith. It always feels risky, folks. There's never come a point where you, where you have all the answers so it eliminates any element of risk in this one, right? There will come a moment where you won't have all the answers, you just know what you know, and you've got to step out on the limited information you've been given, and you're going to have to get that boat and walk on water, and lo and behold, you walk. Step out. Step out in faith. Some of you are more risk-averse than others. You'll have more of a challenge with this one. Just learn to step out in faith. Number six. Always point people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has not come to make you look good. The Holy Spirit hasn't even come to make himself look good. Any movement that makes the Holy Spirit look good actually hasn't been inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has an agenda. And his agenda is to point people continuously to Jesus Christ. He is one big spotlight pointing at Jesus. So always point people to Jesus. And let me just end by pointing you to Jesus. If you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, God has brought you here. Not just so you have more information in your head, but so you can leave here with a relationship with the one who gave you life in the first place. God not only created you, Jesus died for you to take away your sins. So instead of having hell, you can have heaven. You can be forgiven eternally restored into good relationship with God. And that can be yours right now. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you so much for, the, for your presence among us. And thank you for the precious people who are here today. God, I want to thank you that you're a God who intervenes, a God who impacts lives. And God, I want to thank you that you want to do these things through your people, through your church, you want to encourage people. You want to speak to people. You want to bless people. Father, I pray today, God, for us all, God, that we would be a church full of people who operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. God, this city, our community of Leith here, needs people, needs believers who don't just know about God, but who are, have learned to operate with the power of the Holy Spirit, seeing these gifts 
on the streets of Leith, seeing these encouragements, seeing these miracles happening in the communities and families and houses. God, that you are not limited. You don't just you didn't just want to do great things two thousand years ago in Nazareth and in Bethlehem and in Jerusalem. You want to do great things today in in New Haven and Leith. God, up in Trinity. God, you want to do great things, God, all around this region. God, we want you to do those things through us. That's our prayer. All right, just take a moment, church, just to pray quietly under your breath. Just pray your own response to God. While people are praying, it might be today that you're here and you haven't yet got a relationship with God. You're not yet saved. You haven't yet decided to become a follower of Jesus. I am so pleased that you're here. And I would love in this moment to help you make that connection with God. God really loves you. He really loves you. Open your heart to that love today. So if that's you and you're saying, Peter, that's me. I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. Then under your breath, forget everyone else around you, under your breath, pray this prayer with me just now, one line at a time. Say, Dear Lord God, Thank you for your love for me. Jesus, thank you for dying for me in that cross and rising again on the third day. I believe in you. I put my trust in you. Forgive all my sins. Give me a new start today, I pray. Jesus, I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you're alive right now. Be Lord of my life from now on thank you for hearing my prayer and accepting me today as your child keep your eyes closed I want to pray for anyone today who prayed that prayer just whether you're in the balcony the cafe or the main floor if you prayed that prayer could you just let me know you prayed it just by when everyone else's eyes are closed just you simply raise your hands to let me know you prayed that prayer and then slip it down again in a minute. Great. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Thank you. It's brilliant. Is there anyone else today? In the cafe or the balcony? Is there anyone saying today that that's me today? I'm choosing to follow Jesus. Or downstairs, is there anyone else today? You've said, yeah, that's me. Today I'm choosing to follow Jesus. One last time. Is there anyone else? Raise Quickly raise your hand. God, I want to thank you for these three precious individuals today in your presence. They have prayed and they've committed themselves to God. And you have heard their prayer. You've heard their prayer. And you've forgiven their sins. And you saved them. I pray, God, this would be the beginning of an exciting new journey with God. A journey where they, their faith grows, where they know your presence with them. Let them right now, now know that love of God filling their hearts right where they are. Thank you. They're yours. They're forgiven. They're saved. In Jesus' name.